Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger. Press Coverage is where we want to find you the edges to help you win in fantasy. I want to be able to sift through the nonsense and get right to the point. And we're one week away from the NFL season. So, you know, if you've been paying attention to Press Coverage, First Class Fantasy, Mind a Mansion, uh, you know, you you should be very prepared to do well in your dynasty or or redraft season. But today we're going to have a little bit of fun. We are going to flag plant. We're going to talk about my guys, guys we want to bet on. And my guest today is Justin Boone of The Score. Uh, this is somebody who, if you're following fantasy football, more likely than not, you follow him on Twitter and you've listened to his podcast before. Uh, Justin, this is our first time podcasting together. I really appreciate you uh, making the time to come here into the Roto Underworld. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work and what you've got coming out this season? Well, first off, I appreciate you having me. I'm glad we could fit it in. It's a, a very busy time of year. So thank you for accommodating my schedule to uh, sneak me in there. Um, all my stuff's available for free over at The Score. Uh, you can download the app, which is the best way to do it. Everything's designed for the mobile app. Um, you could also check it out on thescore.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. I post links to a lot of my stuff over there. And then the Score Fantasy Football Podcast, which we're up to three days a week now during the season. That'll go to five episodes per week. And I just love doing it. The, the podcast was something that when we first started. I didn't know if it was going to be something that I'd fall for. And absolutely every single year that we've done it, I've gotten more and more into it. And I love the guests that we have on. And it's just become maybe my favorite thing to do during the season. And you got some uh, receipts to to show, you know, your, how sharp you are. What's the little the little number one over your left shoulder, Justin? Why don't you explain that one? Uh, so that is, you know, you surround yourself with false idols. That's what you're not supposed to do, right? Um, I uh, I won the Fantasy Pros Most Accurate uh, Expert Competition in 2019. Um, I was in it for nine seasons. Uh, There's about 140, 150 analysts in there. I never finished worse than 11th. Um, which was unfortunate because it'd be nice to say I was top 10 every single time, but 11th that one year kind of held that off. Um, but yeah, finished with seven straight top seven finishes and became absolutely consumed by it for many years until I finally uh, got that monkey off my back and won it all in 2019. So was very happy to do that. Uh, almost went out on top. I had some friends convince me to go back for one more season, finish top five again. And uh, I've since retired from the contest, but like I say, all my stuff's available for free. My rankings still uh, putting as much time as ever into those over at the score. Well, definitely check out Justin's work over at the score, including his rankings. Is there a particular position that over the years you've crushed at? Because I know that the like Billy Muzio is an expert ranker here for us, and there's certain years that you know he he hit on everything, but maybe tight end. Uh, he had a number one finish as well recently. What about you, Justin? Is there a position that that ever gave you trouble or is there a position you've always done really, really well in? I feel like tight end is probably the one that gives every analyst trouble, especially the analysts that are really trying to be accurate with that contest because it's just, it's such a crapshoot, right? You get guys pop up into the top 10, top 12, just based off a big touchdown total or something like that, which sometimes can be very difficult to project when you're talking about the touchdown scoring. So tight end, definitely the hardest. Uh, receiver was probably the one that I feel like I consistently did the best at. Um, and that's one where, you know, that position goes very, very deep. Like there were times when I was ranking 140, 150 receivers every week. Um, and I think when you're paying attention to the depth charts like that and following all the injuries and everything, you notice when guys start to move up the depth chart, you notice when injuries open up those opportunities and you can get those, you know, guys that are a little bit lower, but are going to get that opportunity that week way up in your rankings. And I think that's probably what helped me at that position, but 
receiver's the one that I remember consistently being at the top end. No, I I love that, and I think you got to know your strengths there. We're looking forward to it because today you're flag planting two wide receivers. We're going to get to that uh, shortly. But one question: if anybody's watched, you know, first class fantasy or press coverage for about, you know, I'd say two months, I've asked every single guest this one question. You know, you take a long time with your your rankings. Obviously, your player evaluations and the rankings you put out, you have a lot of pride in that and a lot of success. What's that one player? that if you could know their final stats for the 2023 season, who would it be? Is it a player whose performance, whether negatively or positively, unlocks one of their teammates? Is it a guy with a wide range of outcomes and you just don't know what to make of them? Anybody in fantasy, Justin, if you can know their final stats. It's going to sound really funny, I think, when I say this, but I feel like Desmond Ritter is the name that comes to mind because you have this guy who is surrounded by three top 10 NFL talents here in Pitts and in Drake London and in Bijan Robinson now. And we could potentially have those guys being values this year. I mean, Bijan's going in the first round, but yeah. if we knew that Ritter was going to be able to take a step forward and help this offense along, Bijan will probably be a guaranteed top five pick. Uh, London and Pitts probably will be going a couple rounds earlier than they're going right now. So we saw last year Marcus Mariota really hold back that offense despite the fact that they have a good line, despite the fact that I think the coaching is okay. They make some questionable decisions there. But overall, I think that offense has shown that it can produce. And if we can get even average quarterback play from Ritter, all of a sudden you feel great about having all three of those guys on your team this year. Whereas now there's some questions, right? Bijan, we feel good about, but could we see Algier get worked in a little more maybe, you know, with the receiving core if, you know, they don't have the volume, which last year they didn't really have it. There was an injury to Pitts, and that kind of allowed London to take off as the year went along. If we didn't see that injury to Pitts, what would have happened to those two? It probably would have been rough going the rest of the way. So this year, we're hoping that that step forward comes. You could also say, I mean, you could say it with a lot of these first-year starting quarterbacks. You'd even look at a guy like Kenny Pickett, who got some starts last year, but is also in an offense with all these guys that have fantasy potential but can he support all of them or even some of them? What we saw last year wasn't great. What we've seen so far this year from Pickett, though, it's pretty good. Like, it's just a preseason, of course. But, you know, five drives, five touchdowns that he led them to. So that's a nice sign. The fact that they're taking more shots downfield during the preseason. Maybe they're just trying things out. But it definitely points towards that Steelers offense being more dangerous this year. And potentially all those guys around Pickett having good seasons. So, Ritter first, I guess Pickett's sort of my uh, my one B. I love the Ritter answer, and you're the first person who's who's given uh, Desmond Ritter as one of the answers, and I, I love that because because nobody cares about, about him for fantasy. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's but it, it's that's exactly like the the this this process. It's if he just has the Matt Ryan 2021 passing volume instead of like the Stone Age passing volume we saw last year with Mariota, then you know, there's a chance that all three hit at ADP and there's a chance that one of the two receivers really, really hits at ADP. I know I've been taking a lot of Drake London lately. Um, he's kind of settled into a range where I feel like he could return value. And man, I'd love to know the difference between 115 targets and 135 targets is massive when you get down to like the margins of like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three land. So I love that one. Uh, we're going to dive into a bunch of players and we're also going to talk about a couple of, of offenses uh, that Justin likes this year when we hear after we hear a word from our sponsors. 
All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users, what do you want, what do you need, and we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report, and if you want to create a new report but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data, show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the Fantasy Tools section, click on Data Analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data-analysis. Welcome back to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger here with Justin Boone of The Score. And Justin, we, we sometimes get so deep into the players and diving into ranking them, deciding who is going to be our targets at ADP. And that's certainly a great process, especially for a flag plant show. But one way that we can unlock fantasy success is just identifying the mispriced offenses. Last year, we saw multiple teams who had a handful of ADP winners each, and their mispricing caused drafters to get you know values, and they all smashed. Seattle last year, Jacksonville last year, and the big one was Philadelphia last year where Jalen Hurts was a league winner, A.J. Brown a league winner, and Devonta Smith the best value at wide receiver on the board, being drafted as a high-end wide receiver four, finishes as a wide receiver one, smashed it. Who are some offenses that you think are going to take a big step forward this year based on what they did in 2022 versus what they're going to give us in 2023? Well, now I wish I hadn't mentioned the Steelers in that first question because no, no, no. I, it's a, it's a, that's what we call a segue. It's a professional segue. Yeah, they're probably uh, the best answer for this one, uh, based on everything I I said there. The talent that they have in that offense, the offensive line getting a little better, and I wonder if Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, heard some of the criticism in the off season, and he maybe tried a few different things this preseason because of it, knowing that people were so down on his performance last year and really surprised. I, I could say I was that they kept him around. So I'm interested to see if it could all come together for the Steelers this season. But I think there's probably a few. Uh, the Bears offense is one that we've kind of seen this scenario take place with a few teams where you have a young quarterback. They don't really have that top target in the offense. And the team goes out and finally gets that player for them, whether it's Stefan Diggs going to Buffalo with Josh Allen, whether it's A.J. Brown going to the Eagles last year. I think the Bears are the one doing it this season. They go out, they get D.J. Moore. All the reports on him have just been fantastic, that he stepped in, that he's a leader. He's exactly what they needed in that offense. And he could take some of the pressure off Justin Fields, right? Then Fields doesn't have to be perfect last year. With the receiving core he was throwing to, you had Darnell Mooney hurt. He had just, you know, guys like Byron Pringle out there. It wasn't a great option for him. Now you look at the receiving core with DJ Moore and with Darnell Mooney back in healthy and with Claypool. And I really like Tyler Scott, the rookie that they brought in. They have a real receiving core around him. And then people want to point to the fact that that offense just didn't have the volume last season. I get it. It's going to improve. It's not going to be one of the league leaders in pass attempts, but it's going to definitely come up from the floor. And we saw this happen as well with the Eagles, that when you have those better weapons, 
all of a sudden you feel a lot more comfortable passing the ball. So I like DJ Moore this season. I know there's a big debate between, you know, can he be a wide receiver too? Is he more of a wide receiver three? Cause the volume issue, I feel very confident with him in that wide receiver two range. And Justin Fields could be the guy just like we saw with Jalen hurts last year where he just explodes and potentially becomes, you know, the, the top fantasy quarterback, or at least one of the top fantasy quarterbacks. We saw him do it on a, you know, a very short stretch last year. I think this season we could see him do it over the, the whole year. So the, the bears are definitely high up that list. There, there's others. I mean, I think one that's being undervalued, maybe not as a breakout, obviously, but one that's really being undervalued is the Bucks offense. And I get it because nobody likes Baker Mayfield. Nobody wants to see their receivers catching passes from Baker Mayfield. But this offense isn't going to just fall off a cliff. Last year, they threw over 700 times. It's not going to go down into you know the 400s. It's going to be in you know the mid to high 500s, maybe the 600 attempt range. And that's going to allow these guys in a very concentrated passing attack, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, they're still going to have good seasons. And we've seen them fall outside of the top 30 fantasy receivers in terms of their ADP. I think that's crazy. I mean, when you look at what Godwin's done, I mean, he finishes the wide receiver two in fantasy points per game. That's half PPR back in 2019. That was his big season. But the wide receiver 16 in 2020. And then, of course, Brady comes along wide receiver 11. Last year, he was the wide receiver 20. And he was coming back from a torn ACL. You're telling me that this year, when he's actually coming into the season healthy, even though he has Baker Mayfield, he can't put up a top 20, top 24 season. I think that's silly. I think Godwin's someone that definitely has a lot of value. And then because of that, the other pieces in that offense too, like Mike Evans, maybe even a Rashad White. I love Sean Tucker as like a last round pickup stash kind of play. I think there'll be more value in that Bucks offense. And you look at the Seahawks last year, like you mentioned, that's the example there, right? Not that Baker's going to become Geno Smith, but that we wrote off that offense last season just saying there's no possible way they could do it with the quarterback situation. I could take the L there. I was wrong about that one. They came out and had a great year. I think the Bucs offense is going to be better than people think. I love the answers. And I think the Bucs offense, even if they're not great, if they're just really consolidated and Godwin gets an enormous target share and Mike Evans sees a, you know, 23% target share and Rashad White's, you know, doesn't, you know, they're obviously not going to target the running back position as much but Rashad White can return value just as a pass catcher, even with the threat of Sean Tucker behind him. So we just need consolidation there. And I think Baker Mayfield can do that. Um, and I love the Pittsburgh answer. You know, we talked about Jacksonville last year was Trevor Lawrence in year one, takes a massive leap forward in year two. Kenny Pickett could do the same. I don't think he'll finish as high as Trevor Lawrence did, but I think he has a chance to finish as a back end QB one. And he's going to carry, you know, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, all very good values. And the Chicago answer, love that one. That's an offense that's really struggled getting yak from their wide receivers. And now they have probably the fastest wide receiver core in the league with DJ Moore. You reference Scott, Claypool, Mooney. Those guys can all fly. Um, and they also had running back success. They had 11 top 20, uh, 10 or 11 top 24 weeks out of the running back position last year, despite being bottom 10 in scoring. So if they can get into that you know, top 12 in scoring, you know, I think one of these guys between Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, you know, pick, pick your poison. One of these guys is going to be uh, effective. And I think the way that they're being drafted, you can potentially get both of them. So love your answers quickly before we get into your flag plants. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins backfield. This is drama. We've had so much of this. They draft Devon a chain. Everybody loves it. We, we hear all off season about how they're going to bring in a veteran that don't get too comfy with a chain. 
He survives the entire summer. Uh, he dodges every single bullet. Then you hear about how maybe they're going to get Jonathan Taylor and we should we should start worrying. Then we have the A-chain injury. Then now we have the Jeff Wilson injury. We have Jonathan Taylor staying a Colt. It's drama, drama, drama. How should drafters be handling it? I'll give us a two a two prong question. If I need immediate production out of the Miami backfield, who should I be targeting? And if I can pick any of them to have for my, the entire season on my roster, who would it be? So the immediate production is going to be Mostert. Um, I think he was pretty good last season. He actually held up for most of the year. Um, and he was the explosive option. We know that he's good in that system. We know he has that speed to be a game breaker. But he did a little in the receiving game. And, and he was a solid like RB2 for a good chunk of that season. And even when Jeff Wilson got there, there were some injuries that kind of complicated things and it made it kind of hard to figure out how they would have deployed them if both guys were completely healthy late in the season. But Mostert was a strong running back in that offense and was a decent fantasy play for sure. I think he's going to start the year as that again. And then A-Chain, you're just kind of taking the shot on upside there, right? So many reports coming out of Miami this offseason was that he looked the part, that he can be that difference maker in the offense. The players were saying that. The beat writers were saying that. The guy was making plays every single practice. And that's not shocking, right? He has that big play ability. He's got that tremendous speed. To me, he seems like the perfect replacement for a guy like Mostert who we probably think is going to break down. I know we don't want to try to predict injuries, but when a guy's over 30 like that, when he's got a history of durability concerns, you wonder how long Mostert's going to be able to hold up, especially that now they don't have somebody like Jeff Wilson to come in and kind of grind those yards out and be that guy, you know, between the tackles to do some of the, the tough lifting for him. So I'm a little bit worried that Mostert won't hold out for the whole season, but he's a guy that you could draft right now throw him in your RB2 slot or maybe better yet your flex spot. If you can do it that way and where he's being drafted, you can definitely do it that way and use him early in the season and then either try to flip him. If you can, maybe other people will be onto it. Like we're saying right now that he's probably going to get injured at some point, but uh, if not, you ride him and you could get a chain two later. And if most goes down, that's when I think a chain is going to absolutely explode for fantasy. Never going to be a, a massive volume guy, but kind of like Mostert has the ability to just change a game and change your fantasy week with minimal touches with, you know, 10, 12 touches. He could have a big game and a big week just on that. So I like both these guys. I'd definitely be taking chances on them. And for the record, I was taking Mostert, but uh, had Jeff Wilson before this injury. I'm not saying that to you know as a victory lap or anything like that. No, you're you're I'm, allowed you're allowed to victory lap that. I'm one, not victory lapping. I'm just saying that that's how much that I liked Mostert as that potential player early in the season that you could get into your lineup. I thought he was going to have a lot of value before. And knock on wood, we don't want to see it happen. But before that injury might show up at some point in the year, so I'd be drafting them both now aggressively. I'm sure other people will too. And I think if you can get both those guys together, that might be the perfect play because if Mostert eventually goes down, A-Chain can take over in that same role. I think you nailed it. I think that Mostert's going to see the biggest ADP jump because a lot of people are starting out with a hero RB build, zero RB build, and I can get immediate production out of him. I know in week one, I'm getting the volume. If I had to bet on one though, give me the, give me all the A-Chain. That's a guy that I've been on this summer and it's been like a roller coaster ride. And now you have a clear path and, Miami, it doesn't sound like they're too optimistic about Wilson at all. They said he might come back this season. It was really weird. Quote. Yeah. Very weird quote. Um, so I, we're interested to see if maybe they bring somebody in. This is like the constant drama of, of chasing Dolphins running backs. Um, but, hey, you mentioned 2019 was the year you finished number one 
um, in the Fantasy Pros contest. And in 2019 was the year Lamar Jackson broke fantasy. And I think we are great to start out with your flag plants here, Justin. One of your flag plants you sent me was Lamar Jackson at quarterback, and I loved it. That's a guy we've been drafting a lot. Uh, Billy Muzio and I on First Class Fantasy were all over him, and now the ADP has risen. He's almost near Josh Allen in a lot of these leagues. How how much conviction do you have on Lamar Jackson? How excited are you about this Baltimore offense? And could this be a repeat QB1 overall season for him? Yeah, I think that's a great segue for it because I definitely think we could see something like that again. We already know what he can do with the rushing ability, but now you're bringing in, you're solving really two major problems in that offense. One being the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman ran an incredibly slow offense, right? You look at what he did when he was there, bottom third in the league in situation neutral pace of play the last four years. That's according to football outsiders. Now you bring in Todd Monken, who was top 12 in terms of pace of play all three years that he was the OC with the Bucks. When he was with the Browns that one season, it wasn't as good, but he also had Baker Mayfield there. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to be a lot better than Baker Mayfield this season. And then the other thing that we're going to see is what Lamar Jackson can do with a real receiving core for so long. It's been Mark Jackson and really not much or Mark Andrews. I should say Mark Jackson, the NBA on my mind there, but uh, Mark Andrews and really not much else in the receiving core. And now you have Rashad Bateman, who we hope can stay healthy. You have Zay Flowers, a first-round pick this year, who looks great, and everything we're hearing about him is fantastic. The guy's apparently unguardable in practice. He was making plays in the preseason, showing that yak ability. And then Odell Beckham, who I still think has something left in the tank here. The last time we saw Odell, it was now he's almost two years removed from that torn ACL, but he was producing as a member of that Rams offense. I think he's going to be able to be a part of what they're doing in Baltimore and actually put up some good numbers there. So I'm very excited about this. We're also going to get J.K. Dobbins back healthy, and there's talk that maybe in this new offense they could throw to him a little bit more. That could help Lamar Jackson's numbers too if he starts to take some of those easy dump-offs and let Dobbins do some work there. On top of the fact that Monkett is going to allow them to throw more and it's never going to be a situation where this becomes a completely balanced offense. Of course, Lamar is going to run a lot, but now the pieces are all in place and I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen this year. And I have been getting a lot of Lamar myself and I regret one of my home leagues. It's a keeper league and we had our draft the other day and I thought that uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, one of those guys was going to fall to me. They both got taken right in front of me and I debated the whole time I was on the clock. Should I just take Lamar? Should I just take Lamar? And I was like, no, I can't do it. I had so set on those other two. And I just didn't feel like it was a value at that point. And by the end of the draft, I kind of regretted it. I will be honest that I think I probably should have just valued Lamar right alongside those other guys, because that's where I think he's going to finish this season. Yeah, I think it's, he's right there. And I think you talked about the, the, the receiving weapons that they have. It's the best Lamar's ever had in his career. I'll also add that Isaiah likely is a versatile guy. We've seen Munkin get a lot out of that tight end position. And I think that it's going to be like you talked about, I think there's going to be less designed runs for Lamar but more opportunistic runs uh, in scramble situations in like three wide receiver sets. And I think that's when he can rip off the big, big runs. So I'm excited. I'm extremely excited. I think that he could finish as QB one overall. You're still able to draft him as QB four. And this is going to be a really exciting year. We remember how bad those offenses looked in those playoff losses over the years under Greg Roman, where it was just like this archaic football now the excitement we have with Todd Munkin, it's fantastic. And another player that you're really excited about, that I'm excited about as well, is Tony Pollard. T 
Tony Pollard had his breakout season last year on limited volume. He finishes as a running back one. This year, uh, he we have no more Zeke Elliott in Dallas. And to add to that, the only players behind him right now are Deuce Vaughn and Rico Dowdle. This seems like a Tony Pollard smash season. How high can he finish at running back? Is he a RB1 overall contender? How excited are you about Tony Pollard? Yeah, I definitely think he's on that short list of guys that could finish as the RB1 overall. It's kind of reminiscent to me of like the Austin Eckler thing, right? Where he was sharing a backfield for so long with Melvin Gordon, and then eventually Gordon moved out of the way, and Eckler became this top three fantasy running back. We could definitely see the same for Pollard. You mentioned it, right? Finished as an RB1 last year in fantasy, was the RB8 in fantasy points per game, and now he's not going to have to share the backfield. I'm shocked that they didn't bring someone else in. I thought for sure we were going to have that other shoe drop at some point and we're going to see a veteran added to that backfield. Maybe they do like Rico Dowdle. Maybe they think that they can get more to a Deuce Vaughn, you know, even though he's a a little guy. But when you look at what Tony Pollard has done, what he brings to the, the fantasy landscape in terms of what he can do as a runner, what he can do as a receiver, the touchdown scoring. Um, I just think that we're looking at a, a top five fantasy back this year for sure. And where you can get him in the second round, he has been the best second round value all off season long. And I think that he should be going at the end of the first round in drafts. And I've taken him at the end of the first round in drafts because often there, the running backs can sometimes be gone. The guys that you really like for that big breakout. And you know that you come back around the turn, there's going to be so many receivers there that are good. The Garrett Wilson's and Amonra St. Brown's and Chris Olave. And you can kind of pick from those guys instead of risking losing Tony Pollard to somebody that realizes the value he should have and scoops him up before you on that one, two turn. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love that. And I think that I've started to see a little bit more Tony Pollard's at like the 110 at the 109. Uh, people have been so used to drafting in the second round, but I think a lot of people are on your, your frame of mind where they don't want to lose out on him. And what's interesting is we've seen the RB1 overall for like the last 10 years. It, it's been an average of like 80 catches. So I do think that for him to hit RB1 overall, we need rational coaching. We want to get the ball to Tony Pollard in space. He's not going to hit 80, but he needs to have career highs in, in catches and in targets for them to really maximize him. He's so explosive, such an efficient runner, but we really want to see those targets as well. And yeah, definitely if you draft this weekend, draft Tony Pollard. Two wide receivers you're on. Uh, why don't we start out with one that's we're seeing a lot of analysts are pounding the table for Keenan Allen right now. Keenan Allen has risen up draft boards, but one of your flag plants is Big Mike Williams, who's who's still being drafted with a premium ADP, but he's being de- drafted definitely behind Keenan Allen when last year they were pretty much side by side in ADP. Yeah, so I'm going to pull it up here. You go back to two years ago, and they basically told us before the season, Justin Herbert came out two years ago and said, we have to get Mike Williams the ball more. And people debated, oh, is he just saying that is actually going to happen? Then they came out and it happened, right? 76 receptions, over 1,100 yards, finished as a a top 12 fantasy receiver in points per game among qualified guys. And I always say that because you got to kick out the guys that only have like, you know, one game in there. We're not going to allow them to have their average involved in it, but finished as a top 12 fantasy receiver that season. Last year, misses five games around midway through the season, I think it was basically six because the other game he barely played. But if you take his stats from the 12 games that he actually played starter snaps, he was on pace for 88 catches, over 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns. That would have made him the wide receiver 11 at the end of the year. So when he's been out there, he's been producing like a top 12 fantasy receiver. 
I think the concern for a lot of people was Quentin Johnston showing up first round receiver. Could he factor in, take a little bit away from Mike Williams, but from what we're hearing so far, maybe it's taken Johnson a little time here to acclimate to the pros. He's still fourth in the depth chart later in the season. We might see him take on a bigger workload, but I think he's just going to be a part-time player early in the year and kind of splitting time with Josh Palmer for that number three receiver role. So I'm not too worried about him at this point. Keenan Allen is the safety blanket. He's going to do his usual thing. He's going to get a lot of volume. He's also getting up there. So we got to factor that into a little bit. And we've seen Mike Williams put up double digit touchdown totals in the past. I think this year we could see it happen again. I think there is a really big season in him here as long as he can stay healthy, but that's the caveat with any player, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've been super bullish on that chargers offense. I love Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, you know, that's, that's the guy. If there's going to be somebody get off to a red hot start in that offense, just in terms of scoring touchdowns, he's their best red zone threat. And he's had those massive spike weeks. Uh, I said yesterday, we had a bold prediction show on man versus machine uh, with Dario Ofstein. And I think that this is the year Justin Herbert leads the NFL in touchdown passes. And Mike Williams has to be part of that equation. You have one more flag plant wide receiver, Justin, that I'm really, really excited about. I've been drafting him all summer long. Talk to everybody about Garrett Wilson. So Garrett Wilson, I mean, last year comes out, was my favorite receiver in that draft class, comes out and looks the part, right? He's earning targets at an elite rate, 147 targets as a rookie, finished seventh in the league in that category. But when you really break down what he did, because at the end of the year, his fantasy numbers, they weren't great, right? In a per game basis, I think he was a wide receiver, 31 fantasy points per game. So nothing overly special. But when you break it down between when Zach Wilson was starting and when Joe Flacco and Mike White were starting, there was like such a stark contrast. In the eight games we had Flacco or Mike White out there, you had Garrett Wilson average 17.3 fantasy points per game compared to 12.7 is what he finished with on the year as a whole. 17.3 fantasy points per game. That would have made him the wide receiver seven on the year. We've seen the talent on display. We saw last year before Aaron Rodgers was in the organization, Rodgers talked up number 17 on the Jets that he really liked him. Now he shows up there. Now he kind of basically has made him his new Devontae Adams. We want to call him like the East Coast Devontae Adams. Garrett Wilson at the end of this season is going to be right up there in the same conversation with Justin Jefferson, with Jamar Chase. He is going to be viewed as one of the best receivers in the league, one of the best young receivers in the league too. All those guys have that working for them. So you got to be so ecstatic when you get Garrett Wilson in the second round. Another guy like Tony Pollard that I think value-wise deserves to be going in the first round. And I think next year is probably going to be a, a first round pick in fantasy draft. So enjoy this little discount while you still can. He's going to score a ton of touchdowns. We saw in the preseason, he's got that mind melt going with Rodgers with that nice catch along the sidelines, hauling it in. Looked an awful lot like Adams on that play too. So go out, make sure you're getting Garrett Wilson on at least some of your teams this year. Cause if not, I think you're going to regret it. Yeah. You know, Devontae Adams had that 18 touchdown season a few years back. He had a 13 touchdown season. And then you also talk about Jordy Nelson had, I believe three seasons with 13 or more touchdowns. So like Garrett Wilson being the guy that leads all NFL wide receivers in touchdown uh, catches this year would not surprise me. And we already saw that he's an elite target earner despite the the craziness at quarterback last year for the Jets, Wilson goes north of uh, 140 targets as a rookie, which is a massive number for him to hit. I love Garrett Wilson, been drafting a lot. Uh, Justin, before we get you out of here, let us know two flag plant tight ends that you're excited about drafting at cost. 
Uh, well, one is the obvious one, and that's Darren Waller. I think you're willing to take him. I mean, I might even go up into the fourth round to take him at this point. Um, I think he's still going in the fifth or so. Um, but yeah, everything pointing towards him having a big year. He already has the elite, you know, fantasy season on his resume and everything's pointing towards him potentially doing that again. I love that coaching staff, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, they put their players in a position to succeed. They're going to play to his strengths and the beat reporters have all suggested that it looks like Waller's probably going to lead this team in targets this year. And that puts him in position to potentially push for a spot up there with the Travis Kelsey's and the Mark Andrews of the world. I have him as my tight end three. If I miss out on him, I end up waiting very often at tight end and grabbing one of the rookies, Dalton Kincaid being my favorite. Now I'm a Bills fan, so take that for what it is. But a Dalton Kincaid comes in as this great pass catching talent, really going to be used more as that slot receiver. They're going to use him as that chess piece that they can move around the offense. And some people are saying, you know, is he going to be the, the Travis Kelsey for Josh Allen? Maybe I'm not expecting that in year one, but I think he can come out and have a really good fantasy season right away. He was making a big impact in the preseason, not just catching passes, but drawing penalties and really putting stress on the defense. That's what you want to see out there. The Bills coaching staff, they're going to find ways to use him. And I think it's a great mix for that Bills offense to miss out on the top receivers. They didn't get one of them to end up getting this pass catching tight end who essentially can be a receiver in their offense. But I could make a similar argument for Sam Laporta on the Lions, who I think is going to step in and get a lot of work right away. And even if you wait until the very, very end, Luke Musgrave, not my projection for him, isn't quite as high as the other two, but another guy that I think is going to start off immediately as a full-time player in his offense and has a chance to put up decent fantasy stats in year one. Yeah, we've seen Luke Musgrave rising up in ADP, especially in FFPC tight end premium uh, formats. Um, he's going to be on the field the entire game, and he's an elite athlete, and it seems like they have big plans for him. And Kincaid, I love your take. Um, I've been saying the exact same thing about if he was simply listed as a wide receiver, I think more and more people would want to draft him. Because if I told you you can get the number two target in Buffalo potentially, uh, you would be all over it. And if I said he was a big slot receiver, people would definitely be all over it. So I think that they're going to move him all around. They're going to use him in the slot. And he doesn't have the pressure to be, you know, an inline blocker that holds some of these rookie tight ends back. So super excited about him. Justin, we're either going to win titles this year or we're going to have a really poor year because I think we're on a lot of the <laughs> same guys. But um, I, this was awesome today. Let everybody know where they uh, can find you once again. Yep. Uh, at the score, download the app if you haven't already, not just for my fantasy content, but it is the best sports app out there. And the scores page are the most efficient pages you could find. So if you love multiple sports, you're going to want to have the score app. I had it long before I worked at the score. Don't tell my previous employers, but it is a fantastic app. So you should have it. And on top of that, the score fantasy football draft gets in there. It's free. My content all season long is free. And then the score fantasy football podcast, like I said, lots of great guests on there getting excited for the season. And we're going to have to have you on at some point this year. I would love to. And we'd love to have you back in the Roto Underworld at some point. This was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely stick with us at 3.30 today. Dave Kluge and Alfredo Brown of Fantasy Guys are going to join, excuse me, of Football Guys are going to join uh, Billy Muzio and I on First Class Fantasy. And then tomorrow at 12.15, if you like flag plants, I had Justin Boone on today. I'm having Derek Brown on tomorrow. Uh, you've seen him hit him on a couple of our podcasts this summer. He's going to be flag planting his guys, and we're going to be getting after it. Uh, guys, make sure you tune in. Billy's also going to be drafting at some point, I believe, this evening or tomorrow night. 
uh, and everybody crush your drafts. You've been doing it all summer with us. This is the time to execute the plan, draft the players that we've been talking about, and have conviction in your picks. Let's win some titles this year. Have a great afternoon. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.